Yes, hello. I am James Rowlands, and today it's the Dublin Art 314. It's WWE Hell in a Cell 2020. And after the huge success of the Halloween Spooktacular, we have invited back at Select Match Type Pod. How are you guys doing? You're right? Yeah, great. Thanks. How are you? All good, all good. And like I said, we came off uh, last week's Spooktacular, and that was a trip down memory lane, really, wasn't it? It was. I've, all I've wanted to do this week is watch uh, old WCW pay-per-views and WCW matches. So, have you gone? Have you been, have you just been going through my list, side? Have you sat there? <laughs> yeah. and uh, Chronic versus Goldberg. I've avoided Chronic matches, but well, no. I thought about maybe doing something like uh, the worst of WCW in 2000 because there's so many hits last week, and I thought, well, if, if that's what the people want, then maybe somewhere down the line, you know, you never know. A nice treat for the listeners there. <laughs> yeah. All right, so let's get on to today's show. Like we said, it is Hell in a Cell 2020. And what was the excitement level beforehand with you guys? Go on, Chris, you can go first. Yeah, I was going to say, I was, literally, I was literally just saying to the missus before coming on air, normally with the current product, my anticipation levels were very low for Hell in a Cell. But I'll tell you what, it's, I absolutely loved it. Oh, I thought it was a great pay-per-view. If this is what they're going to do and reduce the number of matches over three hours and start going NXT style, I am all on board for it. I was actually the opposite. I was really excited for the show, even though it was only five advertised matches. There was one that was added in the pre-show, but um, I've talked about pre- previously how I'm not a big fan of Hell in a Cell matches just being so- set up because of the time of year. And I think they did a good job of actually building three um, relevant rivalries that felt like they deserved to be in, uh, in cell matches. So I was actually quite excited for it before, and I, I thought it was a really good show. Yeah, well, what better way to kick off then with kickoff, and we're going to go through it all. Charlie Crusoe, Double J, The King, Booker, and Pete Rosenberg will there we see Heyman interviewed. Uh, what is, uh, I'll go Simon first, what are your thoughts on Heyman and Reigns? Because, I mean, that's been the, probably the biggest story in WWE recently, hasn't it? It has. Um, I I was dubious of it at, at the start. I I knew that. Well, I was fairly confident that both of them could really make it work. But I didn't feel like, and I'm, we've talked about this on a previous episode, that there was a a great backstory for why Reigns has returned and immediately te- um, gone with Heyman. There was a few steps in the story missing, is what we uh, sort of came to. Uh, but it, it's working really well. The only thing that is um, I would slightly change about it. I don't know why Paul Heyman in promos has completely changed his style and now just whispers. Mm. Um, I, I, I don't know why he does that. It's, it's similar to when Rollins became the Monday Night Messiah and nothing, he, nothing about his promos particularly changed uh, style-wise apart from everything became much, much slower. <laughs> but Heyman actually did that in his interview as well when he was talking about yeah. uh, if if Jay was to lose and it was going to be you know that he had to, the Usos had to be the servant of uh, Roman. We see Jeff Hardy interview uh, fighting his demons as they always call it, not a massive drug issue. I suppose that would take a little bit. Our uh, truth with Double J. This was actually made me laugh because he called him Road Dog, and uh, I do love our truth <laughs> in certain parts. And talking about Jeff Jarrett Ripoff, we see Elias, he's got a new album. That's actually gone to number one, I think, on iTunes. Miz and Morrison interview. And- three, three, three albums in a row, is it, that now he's had number one? <laughs> I mean, it is... That shows, I mean, he, I mean, 
Cena's had a number one, number one rap album. When you got that WWE promotional juggernaut behind you, you can easily be pushed to number one. I think it's crazy. And our kickoff match was R-Truth versus uh, Drew Gulak. And this started off uh, with a little bit of comedy as Gulak boots little Jimmy. Uh, what are your thoughts on uh, Drew Gulak? I mean, Chris, what, do you like Drew? Do you like his style? Or is there something missing? A yeah, little bit? I mean... Uh, I mean, I, I like him. I like him as a wrestler and the technical style he brings to it. Obviously, he had that great program with Daniel Bryan a little while ago that has fingered a proper resolution as so much of WWE product does it nowadays. But he's he's fine. I say he's, he's a really good wrestler. If we can get a storyline for people to care about him, mm. I think he could get a proper push. That that's my thought. Like it seems like they don't particularly know what to do with him, and that's why he's um, kicking little Jimmy in the pre-show of a pay-per-view. <laughs> this is the thing: the guys can do so many different uh, things, but again, with a wrestler, it hasn't got a purpose, so it kind of gets lost in the shuffle. Uh, we see Truth uh, start to make a comeback and use several John Cena's signature moves. He's failed to hit the AA, but did hit a lie detector for a two-count. Gulak met him on the top rope for a superplex, but Truth countered. And one with a jack knife cover. Uh, what are your thoughts on this match? It was perfectly acceptable for a for a pre-show match. I wonder. I normally, um, if I'm watching a pay-per-view, don't tend to watch the uh, pre-show generally because I'll watch it the next day. But um, obviously, because we were covering it, I decided to. And it wasn't a disappointing match by by any stretch. Um, why this couldn't have gone on to the show when there was only five advertised matches. I'm not quite sure, but something's got to go on the pre-show, I suppose. Yeah, I suppose so, you know. I mean, even though these guys are comedy, it's not a bad match. It's not great, but why would WWE give a saying that we had? Um, well, the 24-7 title, has that done anything to add to, to the, the roster since its inception? It's added 42 title reigns to, to <laughs> R-Truth, to be fair. <laughs> R-Truth's going to go into the Hall of Fame as the greatest uh, title holder of all time. The most successful champion ever, yeah. Um, uh, I, I don't particularly mind the 24-7 stuff. I, I, I was a big fan of um, the hardcore title tw- being 24-7 back in the day. And it, as much as... Um, it's slightly different because they can push the bound. They could push the boundary. Sorry, back in the day, Crash Holly was the one of the big things that got that title over through the twenty four seven, and that was mainly comedy stuff. Um, so it's a bit hi- hypocritical for me to. It would be quite hypocritical hypocritical for me to say that I therefore don't like the twenty four seven title. But the only thing, the only I thing with the 20- it's quite the same. Oh, sorry, sorry. The only thing with the twenty four seven title is. At least with the hardcore title and the skits they did, the backstage title changes and the out-of-arena stuff, it was there just to fill in a small section of programming. Whereas now, with the whole YouTube and the rest of the network and online stuff, the the 24-7 title is just everywhere and it's just too it is just too much because they're using it just to be able to fill out hours and hours Mm. and hours of digital broadcasts. I think that is what true. Thoughts, James? So, uh, like I said, for the 24-7 title, if it's used kind of correctly, but sometimes with WWE, their comedy is not what I find comedy. And I think sometimes it's a little bit hit or miss. 
Uh, it's not going to be a kind of a serious championship. But like I said, with Crash Holly or a character, like they tried with Truth, it can work sometimes. Uh, we're going to mark the matches out of five. I'm giving this one two and a half. Simon, what's your score on the first match? I'll give it straight down the middle, two and a half on match you. And that's a full house because I'm also giving it a two and a half. <laughs> All right, so on to the main show. We get the opening promo. This is, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, go on. This is standard stuff. WWE letting you know that this is a free match card. Uh, not bad. We are still in the Thunderdome. Um, well, this is going to be a silly question, but do we like the Cell match? And do we like this look on Head in the Cell? I don't know which one of you want to take. Uh, well, we've just done a whole series on Hell in a Cell matches. So, yes, we absolutely love Hell in a Cell when it's done well and when it's built to in the right way. Um, I think we both agree, and we mentioned it when we covered um, Rollins versus The Fiend, that the grey cell looks so much better. And what a ball ache it must have been for the poor guy that had to paint the individual panels. <laughs> Do you know, I always remember someone saying that after, I think it was like WrestleMania 20 main event. And, you know, they're celebrating in the ring and all the confetti. And, and uh, one of my mates said, I wonder who's cleaning that up. <laughs> you just, you don't, you don't think about these things. Uh, we get on to our first match and it was Hell in a Cell, uh, Jey Uso versus Roman Reigns. How we got here? Well, what a story this is. Roman returned at SummerSlam and a week later at Payback, he was Universal Champion. Jay had won a number one contendership match, but uh, Classic Champions came up short when brother Jimmy threw in the towel. But Jay... Didn't show the tribal chief respect, so inside hell, there's going to be a first ever I quit match. What are your thoughts on the, the feud leading up to this? I'll tell you what I did love for this and all three of the cage matches we touched on to begin with. The promo work for them was really, really strong. You, it's easy to get lost in what's going on across various storylines. Promos, clear, succinct, made you actually care about the matches coming up. Yeah, really good work on the promo side. One thing I will mention about the promo for this one, something that definitely sprung to mind when Rain said, your children and your children's children. I was just thinking of the Jebediah Springfield episode of The Simpsons for three months. (laughs) (laughs) Immediately springs to mind whenever I hear children's children. It's the small things. (laughs) But did this match need a sequel? Did they tell the story at Class of Champions and they kind of, as WWE, eking out a little bit? Or did Jay deserve another chance at Roman? I don't think that he can justify being the number one contender. um, But I I like the fact that they set this up with... um, not Saying that it's got the biggest stipulation ever or the biggest um, stakes ever isn't quite the right way of describing it, I don't think. But it... It having um, the potential to be one of the most dangerous matches ever was was a good setup for it. I think. Well, I think the fact that they had Jim, sorry, I think the fact they had Jimmy thrown in the towel on the last match meant that yeah, you could have it with Jay essentially being I deserve another I deserve another chance, and it's actually down to me to decide that I'm quitting. Yeah. Yeah. His line that if it wasn't for, for Jimmy, he would be champion. I'm not sure that he's uh, quite being honest with himself there. But Well, this is the fourth time inside hell uh, for Roman, but only I only remember Usos versus New Day, which was incredible inside Hell in a Cell. That's a match. When I looked at these two guys, a Hell in a Cell popped in my head. It was, it was that match that did. Uh, You've got to love the booze for Reigns. Uh, what are what somebody's thoughts on Reigns' heel turn? We, we talked about association with... Heyman, but I mean, Reigns is, is really taken to this role, hasn't he, you know? 
Yeah, he is. I I did feel like um, the sound was quite. It sounded really piped in, uh, so that there was no sort of mixed reaction whatsoever for Reigns. Um, it was just like out and out booze. So that I think WWE are being selective with the sound that they're uh, putting through from the Thunderdome. Don't know if you both either of you agree with that. I don't listen to the uh, sound on it. No, uh, yeah, no. I, I what I mentioned was the amount of booze that were coming through for Reigns and. Uh, like you said, there's definitely sometimes they do pipe it through, but I think he's he's kind of this character and what he's portraying is kind of really working for him. I did want to see Jay with more offense. Uh, what happened? Well, they started off just staring at each other from across the ring, talked a little trash. Uh, Roman said he'd only changed because he had to, and Jay also said he did it for the title. We see Jay building some momentum, hitting a couple of suicide dives, and taking a big dog against the cage, and then Reigns hitting him with the spear. He tried to bring a chair in the ring, but Uso caught him with a drop kick before he could follow up. The champion now did with a second spear. These spears looked like they were breaking Jay in half. And at that point, the first spear, I was thinking to myself, this match might be over. Yeah, uh, it, it was. they were really good spears. They looked really powerful and effective. Um, I, the, the camera work was quite good for that as well because it, it really jolted as, as Jay was hit with it. And I think another well, thing... Yeah. Sorry, I thought another thing that helped out was the fact that you could hear everything these two guys were saying to each other uh, as opposed to, you know, the full arena. Yeah. Yeah, uh, to be honest, I mean, the commentary team did really well on how how little they actually spoke. I didn't, rea- didn't realise until I was, I was watching it and it wasn't until they spoke that I realised that they hadn't actually been speaking for about five minutes or so. Well, yeah, this, sometimes it's the thing the commentary team don't say rather than what they do. The, and this is the thing, exactly. And, and when, when they're into the match, we become into it as well. It's kind of weird. Uh, Jay looked out of it, and after talking a bit of smack, Roman tried to hit a third spear, but Uso countered and hit a super kick and an Uso splash. He hit another one. Reigns said, the head of the table never quits, which I thought was a really cool line. And then we got the leather strap. And... I don't know about you guys, you've been watching wrestling for quite a while. Do you ever find with a weapon, whether it be a strap or a kendo stick, that they usually take it in turns anyway? Like, not, not normally is one guy just going to get away with a whooping, you know? Yeah, tit for tat is usually the way these thing go, things go. Things go, sorry. Um, what did you think about uh, Jay using the, the choke with the strap? It was not so long ago that uh, Daniel Bryan was heavily fined for using a necktie to choke someone. Uh, seems we've moved past that now in WWE. I, I think it's a bit weird. I mean, it's maybe it was too realistic with a Daniel Bryan way of doing it as opposed to this. But I think him actually making Roman, I, I think the visual and the look and the kind of, it, it really played off well. But it, like you said, maybe because it's Roman, they're saying, well, we'll let this happen. Heyman made me laugh asking Jay not to as well, which I thought was quite funny. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, when 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 I was looking at it, it's a case of, as you say, maybe the necktie was too realistic. With this one, you could see obviously mm. him choking him, but you didn't. Roman didn't look as in any real danger that he was struggling to actually breathe or he was being genuinely choked out. Well, we see a nice exchange that led to Jay to dodge a Superman punch, and like I said, choke him out. Uh, Jay took too long with a chair and got caught in the guillotine. Uh, Reigns could quit and to be able to hear like I said to hear every word was a bonus Reigns using the guillotine is a bit of a, a weird one but I think maybe because he's quite a big guy and it's maybe submission that's used for smaller ones but 
if that's what he wants to go for, I'm not going to argue, you know? I think it's quite an effect, like, particularly as he's sort of being portrayed as a monster heel character, putting someone in the guillotine and then being choked out rather than submitting seems to fit quite well with it. It reminds me a bit of when, remember when Lesnar used to use the bear hug, like in his debut year? Mm. Yeah, uh, that's Maybe that's good, because yeah. obviously guillotine's a UFC, uh, a MMA move, so maybe they're going to play into that when, if and when Lesnar does come back. Well, we see the tribal chief dragging Uso to the apron and hit the drive-by drop kick. And he put the still stairs next to his head and kicked it as hard as he could. Again, all this visual and all this storyline at this moment in time, I was into this one, there's no doubt. The ref wants to stop the match, but Reigns threw him out of the ring. Then we see several officials come just, just down. On the, just on the ref wanting to stop the match, he asks Jay so many times, and it seemed more of an interrogation technique than anything else. It was, <laughs> I can help you. All you need to do is tell me you quit, and I can go easy on you. Like it was very um, yeah, police interrogation style. A bit like Batman and Bane. Where, where is yeah. she? <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, the refer- the refereeing for when they decide to stop these matches is all, is all over the place. It's like <laughs> drive by, and drive by is like, oh, I'm, I'm going to have to stop it. When Jay's laying there saying, "I can't breathe," no, carry on. <laughs> Well, this is the thing, and uh, we see all the officials come in, he chased them out, Reigns yelled at his cousin that this was all his fault, he was about to crush Jay's head with the steps, when Jimmy ran down and got in his way, he called Jay by his real name, Josh, as he begged Reigns to stop, the big dog broke down crying and sat down next to his cousins, and he grabbed Jimmy and choked him out as he held Jay's hand, Jay quit to save his brother, finally end the match, Reigns stood over him with a title, held high before leaving with Heyman. Um, as for the match and the ending, I, I just thought it was brilliant. What were uh, both of your thoughts? Yeah, I, I thought it was perfect storytelling. It was quite slow in parts, but they were trying to do... And I often find that with I Quit matches because there's obviously going to be big breaks where, where one guy is on the on the ground at, like being asked whether uh, whether they quit. On that, how did um, Jay actually quit without the ref asking him? How does that work? Why do we need a ref in an I quit match if you can just shout I quit and the uh, the guy uh, the, the guy with the bell can just ring it? It seems unnecessary. Uh, no, that's how we that's how we go to a third match now. We get yeah. we get no. <laughs> yeah, no, no I didn't I didn't quit the first time. You technically didn't ask me the second time around. It's Jimmy so... again. It's Jimmy. All right, you yeah. got to sort him out. And the the other thing, so as Jimmy gets put in the guillotine, um, Graves points out, come on, he's just had knee surgery. It was on the ground. His knee was in no danger whatsoever. He might get cramped. Right. No. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> do, not, do not talk to me about some... Honestly, Michael Cole, as good as he was, was tonight, if I have to hear him say someone's being slammed into hell in a cell one more time, no. You don't, watch, you don't watch a last man standing match and go, oh, he's in the last man standing. Will he be the last man standing? Uh, it's, a, it's a cell, Michael. The hell in the cell is the match type. Uh, I, I thought this was brilliant. I mean, if Roman will do this to his family, what will he do to everyone else? Heyman can't control Roman like he does Brock, uh, which, again, is another story that I like because, obviously, with Brock, he had that control. With Reigns, he just... I mean, the, the, the selling of, of Heyman in facial features alone made Reigns look like a bad, bad man. And emotion and meaning are so much in I loved how he saved his brother. Both men gained, for me, so much. And I feel Hollywood will come for Reigns as well. 
Oh, and, yeah. uh, undou- undoubtedly, he's got he's got the body type that they love the stick as a villain or a henchman in the same way Batista did. If he can actually wrap some of his head around half the actor that Batista is now, there'll be some big roles for him, I imagine. I think without a doubt. Including Gears of War, maybe. Similar <laughs> to Batista, as we see advertised later on in the show. Uh, well, now the Usos are the servants of Reigns, and uh, we see Roman going to the stage where the Welsh Simones, Atha and Seeker, Reigns' father, come out. They embrace and put the lead over his neck, and they acknowledge Reigns as a tribal chief. Again, the visuals in this alone were absolutely brilliant. And even the uh, commentary team, Tom or Todd Phillips, Byron Saxton and Samoa Joe, they talk about what they've just seen from Reigns to the whole situation, you know? I thought they'd play it up as though someone died from... <laughs> if, if you were just watching the commentary team after the match, you would have assumed something awful had happened. Uh, out of five, then, what, uh, Simon, what are you giving this match? So, I was going through our Hell in a Cell coverage uh, because I didn't want to give it based on uh, matches in comparison to this night. I'm going to give it in comparison to other Hell in a Cell matches. And the one that I'm sort of closest to in terms of a star rating is Edge versus The Undertaker, which I gave three and a half out of five. So I'm going to go for 3.25 stars on this one. I think, I think the storytelling was far, far better than Edge Undertaker. So and everything in this just worked for me completely. I'm giving this four stars. I would have to go towards Chris. I'm going to give this four and a quarter. Like I said, the emotion... And, you know, the Hell in a Cell matches, look at them through time, it's going to get more and more difficult year on year because just the amount that we have and having three Hell in a Cell matches, you know, with the Untaker and Edge, they had just the one Cell match on the card. And now Reigns and Jay not only have got to have their own match, and they've got two more to come as well. So I think it's a difficult situation, but I'm going to give that four and a quarter. Fair enough. Uh, prediction wise uh, we did predictions we should say uh, we did but... yeah we should have done this at the start <laughs> <laughs> I did predictions <laughs> I did predictions someone challenged me uh, Brandon did on um, on Twitter as we as I have challenges uh, with the kickoff match it was uh, one all and at one all we both went for truth did you have predictions for this as well we did yeah we went um, for Gulak for the pre-show so we were a solid zero to start the show uh, but we did go for reigns in uh, in the opener so we're one from two yes so two one with us and it's um two two when it comes to brandon that is not going to confuse me in the slightest uh polls <laughs> we uh put polls up for everybody to choose roman reigns got 78 percent. i don't think that's any real surprise I'm surprised it was only 78%, to be honest. There was no doubt in my mind whatsoever that Roman was going to win this match. On to match three, and it's Elias, and he's making his way to the ring and talking about how Jeff Hardy tried to end his career by hitting him with a car. Does anybody remember that? He survived and wrote an album before he pays Hardy's royalties. He's going to sing a song. Elias sings about Hardy, about Hardy drinking alcohol until, of course, Hardy interrupts. So it's Jeffrey Elias, how he got here. Like we said, Elias says Jeff ran him over. Jeff denied it. Uh, the commentators were saying this was first time ever. Is this a dream match? Is, is this? <laughs> I think you need to widen your horizons if, if, if this is your dream. <laughs> it's when they were saying about Elias really up in his game and stepping up against big, huge superstars like Jeff Hardy. 
It's like, yeah, back in early 2000, maybe, we'd have been having that conversation. But... Yeah. Well, the, said... the other thing, comment from team mentioned. So just after um, Elias sings about the DUIs and, and booze, um, Samoa Joe also lays into Jeff saying that he's got um, an electric, he's electric in the ring and he's got an electric lifestyle outside of it. <laughs> Do you think it's a couple of questions now? Do you think it's fair that um, Jeff Hardy they're using this kind of the past that he's got and his demons? Do you think it's right in storyline wise? And do you think Jeff Hardy actually deserves another kind of world title run? A if Jeff if Jeff's happy to use the, his demons in the storytelling, then I've got no problem with it. If he's happy for him to go ahead and use them, obviously he's been through them. He's better placed in a I am to say whether he's happy. And B, another world title run. Strange, stranger things have happened, but going from this match, I'm not buzzing for it. Um, I, I agree. I, I don't think they would uh, play into it if it wasn't, um, if Jeff hadn't given the go-ahead to, to use lines like this. Um, I know that they have in the past, but it feels like a very different place from the... Um, the sort of mid nineties where it was Hawk, wasn't it, who they sort of subtly mentioned on commentary quite often about him having alcohol. Oh, he climbed a Titan Tron. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Scott, well, there was Scott Hall as well. Um, it, they just have this thing. Yeah. They've got to have alcohol, you know, or pretend you're drunk. Uh, it's it's going to work out really well. Um, it'd be, it'd be easy for us to list who didn't have alcohol or dependency problems. Yeah, really. true. <laughs> Yeah. I just can't live without my Ica Pro either. So. <laughs> well, they took the fight out of the ring and were able to turn the tables. He missed a jump off the steps and crashed into Barry Cade. Elias kept the upper hand for a few minutes and came close to win with a setup powerbomb. Hardy hit Whisper in a win for a two count and then he dropped Elias with a twist of fate. The singer rolled out the ring to roll the swanton. Hardy stopped him from using the guitar's weapon and turned it on Elias, getting himself disqualified in the process. What a shitty finish for a pay-per-view. What are your thoughts on the match? I thought it was decent. Um, there was a nice map-based start. As you say, Elias took control for a bit before um, Hardy, after Hardy, sorry, jumped off the steps. I thought the spot of the match was the um, Elias hitting the electric chair into the powerbomb, which is a very impressive move. Um, made, Hardy sold for it really well, as, as you say. Um, I, I can just see this one going on for for months and months. It's going to be the new um, Riddle versus King Corbin, and we're, we're going to see about 30 different variations of this match, I think. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Uh, Chris, what are you giving it out of five? Uh, I'm going straight down, straight down the middle because I, int- I had only one eye on it because I'd lost interest in it. I wish Jeff would have come off the turnbuckle rather than stepping down maybe then I'd have given it more than two and a half I'm giving it I'm going two stars uh, just I just on the other thing on this match do you think they kept playing up that it wasn't Jeff Hardy that ran over Elias do you think that we're ever going to get an answer as to who ran over Elias are we going to get the ghost of Rikishi I'm telling <laughs> you <laughs> he did it for Jeff <laughs> it's a, the thing, isn't it? Like, it's it's long-term planning with WWE is not a thing. So when they try it, you go, well, you're not going to play it out. Or they announce who did it and then just completely bury them when they get onto Raw SmackDown. It was the Raw general manager all along. Oh, yeah. Um, right, so predictions for that. Um, 
Brandon went Jeff. I went Jeff. What did you guys go for? He went Elias. Oh. I just thought he's coming back after an injury. It makes sense for him to go over. Um, Jeff Hardy doesn't particularly need need it, whereas they sort of need to rebuild Elias after his injury. So, yeah, plus I, I'm always quite into Elias. I think it's a, a good gimmick. Um, we went to see him in Sheffield uh, last year, I think it was, and he had the crowd in the palm of his hand singing Wonderwall. Everything was great. Yeah, yeah that, I'm, I'm a yeah. big Elias fan. Uh, so we saw him in, I think, London a, a few years back, and it was exactly the same thing after he went off the air, which is so good for the crowd. And you, you, you wonder with Elias if there's definitely something there, but I don't think WWE knows what it is because we've seen him used in these positions for so long and never kind of had an extended run, if you know what I mean. Yeah. With the, with the three number one albums now as well, it's how much stomach because he actually got the B touring and working... WWE all year round. Is he going to be, are we going to go to Jericho route with Fozzie and we'll see him rock up three, four months out of the year before a new album and an 18 month touring cycle? I don't think he needs to worry about touring for a bit, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> well, you never know. You never know. Uh, we move on to match four. We see Kayla Braxton backstage with Otis and Tucker. Otis starts to gyrate, but says the Miz is taking so much for him and he's very angry so Miz and Otis how we got here well we've lost faith in Otis haven't they the breakout stars 2019 and 2020 has been hurt by no crowd and negative reaction online Miz and Morrison have been treading water these past few months what are your thoughts on Otis and Miz and Morrison before we get to this match I think we were saying one of the our previous episode we had had genuinely forgot that Otis held the money in the bank contract so I'm not surprised they've They've done what they do in this match because, as you say, they clearly lost faith in him. He was hugely over with a live crowd. And I think as we find stuff going online, whether it be wrestling, football, any sporting product, people are really having a huge backlash against things they're not happy with. Uh, you mentioned Miz and Morrison as well. It's, it's straight. Do you remember when Morrison was first, like, coming back and it was mm-hmm. this big deal was made about how he was going to be pushed and look how far he's fallen since his return he's a corner man for a bit of a, a comedy match essentially well a lot of people said with tna back in the day that they had stars and just made them into normal wrestlers but i feel WWE has that ability nowadays to bring back morrison who had so much you had so much excitement and he's just playing second fiddle to the Miz now and it's just I don't know, but with Otis, I mean, not since Kennedy has there been a bigger loss of confidence, and that's including Damien Sandow. Uh, but onto the match, and as soon as the ref called for the bell, Otis rushed him in the corner and crushed him. He scoops him up to try and score a quick two count as Tucker and John Morrison watch from ringside. Jomo tried a distraction so the Miz could hit a DDT for another near fall. Morrison hit a cheap shot behind the referee's back. The A-lister hit the it kicks in the corner. Miz nailed him in the face with big boot, but Otis began to build up a head of steam and hit a few of his own signature moves. The ref caught Morrison about to use a briefcase as a weapon, and she kicked him to the back. And while the official was attending to Miz, Tucker nailed Otis with a briefcase, and a shock Miz covered him for the victory to win the money in the bank. <laughs> what are our thoughts on this? I, I thought it was a passable match. Uh, the boot that 
the Miz hits is a, a very stiff looking shot to the jaw. Um, I, I'm guessing his face is going to be sore the, the next day. Um, Otis hulking up does nothing for me. I'll be honest. I'm not interested in, in the slightest. Um, but yeah, it was um, an average match. I'm glad that they have got the contract off, off um, Otis. But the one thing that WWE really did not need is fewer tag teams at the moment. So breaking up um, a team that weren't singles guys merged together seems like a, a backward step. And I, it's obviously going to be um, a bit of a, uh, a feud going forward, but I am not really interested in it in the slightest. Well, the problem well, is they haven't done anything to build that feud up, have they? They've just had Tucker just turn on Otis for absolutely no reason yeah. whatsoever. Well, there is the, yeah. uh, afterwards he explains that he was the workhorse and Otis became a star, but he's nothing without me. It's the most generic heel turn promo you can imagine. Yeah, but don't, don't be, don't be doing, don't be having, doing your storyline and filling in the gaps afterwards. Yeah. You should be that, if you're going to turn, if you're going to do that turn, then you should be laying the groundwork ahead of time. Don't just, if we're going to go that way, wrestlers may well just go out, do whatever they want and we'll just fill it in afterwards. Yeah, true. I, I think uh, one thing we didn't up, mention yeah. in the build to this one as well is um, the the recap of Law and Ortis, which I thought was quite good comedy stuff. Um, getting JBL in as the judge and Farouk as the bailiff. Um, Teddy Long appearing. I thought it was a nice comedy bit with JBL being the corrupt judge at the end. It's always nice seeing APA, but I think my problem with that is that I'd seen it because I watched it obviously the kickoff. And once you see it yeah. for the fourth or fifth time, it kind of loses yeah, a little true. bit. <laughs> but it's nice seeing, like I said, APA together. And the kind of, to, at least it made a little bit of sense getting to this match. But like I said, as Chris said, it's uh, Tucker didn't have any looks towards Otis in, in any of the months prior to this. Never said to him he's unhappy or you're think, not thinking about the team. I did like the Miz, uh, the way he sold it, how shocked he was, like he didn't deserve it. I think that is good. Uh, for a serious Tucker... I don't think it's going to go anywhere. But is Miz now a legitimate threat? Is he more, obviously he's more of a threat than Otis, but is he a legitimate threat to become champion? I was convinced that because um, McIntyre and Orton had feuded for so long and it was hell in a cell that he was going to cash in at the end of the night. Uh, But we'll have to wait and see what happens there, I suppose. (laughs) Spoiler alert, you know. (laughs) Um, Out of five, I'm going to give that a three out of five. wasn't a bad match. And I think with a front of a live crowd, uh, it would have been a little bit better as well. I'm going two and a half. I'm, I'm going to go three. As I say, I think, with a live, I think the turn we took a, would have gone up far better with a live crowd. It's really weird, as we're saying about the Thunderdome at the start, with the hearing the people cheering and whooping and booing, are they just doing that in their living room or in their, in their laptop, just screaming and shouting? This was something I was going to mention. So I, I've not applied for it. And if I was on it and it was two o'clock in the morning getting to the main event, I would not be chanting, this is awesome <laughs> at the top of my lungs. And I'm, I think my neighbours would be pretty glad for it, to be honest. I'm sorry. Come on, come on, get on with it now. All right, come on, let's, let's get this done. Um be like, oh my god, again! Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't want to see a replay again. Uh, but the thing is, they've had problems with the Thunderdome. But I think it's actually worked as well as it can. You know, I don't think there's anything um, wrong with it. I mean, obviously, there's a few problems with what uh, people have shown up there and what signs. But 
Uh, I don't think it's a, a bad. I much concept. prefer it to having. I much prefer it to having NXT guys stood there doing um, obviously choreographed chanting and stuff like that. I think it works better. Uh, uh, but I'm a I'm quite a big basketball fan, and um, in Orlando they've had a, a similar thing with a, a full screen and, and fans sort of merged together. So yeah, I think that that probably skews it for me. All right, so we move on to predictions. Uh, Brandon went Miz. I went Otis. What do you guys go for? We went for the Miz here. Yeah. I just had a feeling that they were going to take it off Otis. I didn't believe it, and I was thinking to myself, they, they can't, surely. And then, obviously, don't call me Shirley, but it happened. Uh, it's unfortunate. Because they got it wrong as well. They went 53% for Otis. And like you said, Caleb Baxter interviews the Miz and Morrison backstage. Miz said he'd been consistent for 15 years and bring prestige to the briefcase. And Tucker walks up all angry and marches off. And then on to our f- uh, fifth match, which is Banks versus Bailey inside hell in the cell. How have we got here? Well, this might be the longest running story in WWE. Uh, since Bailey turned heel, she'd be dominating the women's division. But the question is, would she be doing it with that fellow role model banks Bailey finally turned on Sasha and now the boss wants revenge what do you guys think of the the build up to this which I think is the should have been the main event as well yeah it's a it's a great story it's a tailors all the time as time two heels um one turns on the other and that results in a in a fairly heated, heated rivalry obviously it's not the first time they've um competed with uh the Iron Woman match that they had in NXT, probably considered one of the best matches in NXT history. Uh, the only problem I had with the, the recap on this, and Chris is more of a, a legal ac- expert than myself, um, but a contract signed while being choked on a chair, I'd say is not legally binding. <laughs> I'm, gl- I'm, glad you mentioned, I'm glad you mentioned that. I was, I was going to say, that, that would fall under duress, I do believe. I, I don't believe that's important in court. But yeah, I thought that the build for this was great. Um, obviously, Bailey being, that's obviously showing that uh, Bailey doubts whether she can do it. But yeah, just doing it while under duress might not be the, the best legal way of, uh, of making things happen. Uh, Banks has appeared in every women's hell in a cell match. Um, are these women and this feud better than we have seen in quite some time? Uh, or would you rather have, I mean, because obviously last year, previous we've had Charlotte and Becky Lynch but Sasha Banks is apart from maybe Oscars always been one of my favorites and to see her actually have time and a feud with Bailey I, I think this for me is is kind of my favorite at this moment in time yeah out of the the three women's Helena I think this is the best I've seen um but these two really just bring the, the best out of each other they clearly know each other inside out and work together so well but yeah, I, I, it was, I was slightly disappointed that Asuka didn't get anything on this, like yeah. even a pre-show match. But She got featured getting beaten up by Bailey on the, on the uh, promo <laughs> package. What were you on? And she was in the Lauren Otis skit, uh, Otis skit as well. So what, what can you possibly She's watch? all over the pay-per-view. I don't know <laughs> what you mean, honestly. Uh, right, to the match then, what happened? Well, Bailey tried to use the chairs. The cell was being lowered, but Banks kicked it outside which, again, I thought was quite a cool visual. Once the cell was lowered, it was out of reach, and the boss went right after her. She applied a bank statement, but by hand to force a break. The role model drove her into the side of the cell. Banks dodged a few kendo stick shots and delivered a huge knee to the face. She pulled out a table and set it up next to the ring. 
Banks then ran across the table to hit a meteora, I think they were calling it, against the cage. It's a double knees. I was watching it and I was going, my, I think she just killed Bailey because that move just looks awesome, you know? It looks... Sorry, up, running up the table as she does, it looks yeah. absolutely amazing. Yeah, the way she used it as a ramp and in for the cell, it made it, yeah, as you say, it looked brutal. Um, at that point in the match as well, Michael Cole mentioned that um, only one woman in history has held had combined t- title reigns longer than Bailey. I'm guessing they're not going to say who after the controversy <laughs> surrounding the fabulous Moolah, but <laughs> well, it's a, it's a shame, isn't it? Really, um, but like I said, she threw a few chairs into the ring. Bailey was able to throw her over the top rope. She picked up a chair, but missed hitting Banks on the table. The boss kicked the table into her and sent her in steel steps. She then set up two kendo sticks between the cage and steps. Bailey tripped her into it, and she hit the steps hard. And uh, the, the, again, the spot looked brutal. And Bailey made me laugh by saying, that's thanks to me. That's thanks to me, that is. Which, again, is great. He'll work. Yeah, it was really creative. I, something I've not seen before, using ke- like propping the kendo sticks between the uh, the ring steps and um, the, the s- holes in the cell. So yeah, nice creative stuff with weapons. Some people are were against or are against using like lots of use of weapons in cell, but I think it adds quite nicely to it. If if we was back the old good old hardcore days, I know that's what it was for you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Chairs, kendo sticks, fire extinguishers. Bailey's talking game was on point the entire match, though. The one when she's assembling the two kendo sticks and she has the ref to undo the tape because she's all sweaty. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. brilliant. So you know I can't do that, you know. Uh, we see the two poor kendo sticks and use a slingshot to send Banks into them. It either really hurts or Banks' is selling is on point. The boss managed to powerbomb Bailey from the apron into the wall of the cage. Uh, the role model wedged a chair in the corner and sent the back of Banks' head into it with a sunset flip, which in my mind is as dangerous as an unprotected chair shot. We talked earlier about the choking, and obviously unprotected chair shots aren't allowed. I think going full force, back your head onto a chair, is just such a stupid move, you know? I'd say it's more dangerous because at least with a, a chair shot, you can you can see which part of the chair you're going to connect with. So you can aim for not a, um, a corner or the, the pipe that goes around the outside. Whereas when you've got falling backwards into it, you've got no control whatsoever. I thought it was a brutal move. Um, yeah. And questionable whether it, yeah. things like that should, should be allowed. Especially when you, after when a, a so injury. Against yeah. 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 I was going to say, especially I love the bit afterwards when the chair fell on her. That was the right. <laughs> <laughs> Insult to injury. Well, like I said, Bailey took about 10 minutes with the tape, but the boss found a fire extinguisher and sprayed the champion in the face, beating her from a cell uh, to post and caned the crap out of her. Somehow, Bailey blocked a frog splash with a chair and hit a stroke and set up a ladder across two chairs to make a bridge in the ring. She sprayed her ex on banks, but the boss avoided a flying chair shot. She hit Bailey's own finisher onto the ladder, but couldn't put her away. The champ recovered and hit the Bailey's Bailey for another two count. Bailey then used the chair on Banks and went for a Bailey's Bailey with the chair, but the boss then locked in the bank statement with some help from the chair and the submission victory and to win the title. I thought the closing exchanges were great. The match was great. What were your guys' thoughts? I love the, the finish. Not only the, the fact she's got there in the bank statement and that chair that has been the, the start of this recent feud run. Just the way she's stamping on it 
at the same time as having the bank statement locked in just to get that additional punishment made also made Bailey look stronger than they could have done with just her having her tap out. The fact she's getting stretched and being hammered with a chair at the same time. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I thought this was a great match. I think the story was really good. There was really creative weapon use. I think that this would have been better, obviously, with a live crowd. And I think I noticed that with this one more than other matches on the cards. Um, but yeah, I thought it was really good. The only down point or uh, point I will make about it is where does Bailey buy a spray paint? Because it's gone by the end of the match. <laughs> she sprayed it across Becky's chest and, or stomach and it's just got disappears. She needs uh, to get some advice from she, Hogan. She, yeah, Hogan to get the, the, the proper ones, yeah. In years to come, we will realise this was the golden generation of the women's division and, and the talent that we're seeing now. We should realise how lucky we are. This is Banks's first time winning the SmackDown Women's Championship and Bailey's 380-day reign is over. Banks is now a grand slam. Um, again, fantastic match. Out of five, uh, Chris, what are you giving us? This was my match of the night and one of, the, one of my most recently hugely enjoyed Hell in a Cell matches. It's a five-star rating from me. Wow. Well, I've, I've, go on, I've also given this one a high... Uh, I've also given this one a higher rating than the uh, Reigns-Uso match and I've gone four stars for this one. Uh, I've got to say, this again, this is a five-star match. The only thing, and the only reason I'm, I'm taking my rating for this down a little bit, had the live crowd there, it would have been perfect. So for me, it's not a, a five out of five match, even though the action was. So it's four and three quarters out of five. But absolutely brilliant, you know. What do you think is going to be next for these two? They'll feud for the next six months. That's what WWE <laughs> do, isn't it? <laughs> So this is, like, because it's a Hell in a Cell match, I'd like it to be the end of the feud. And if I was fantasy booking it, I'd put this on the bat burner until the Rumble, set Be- uh, Banks up as a huge, um, huge champion, have her beat everyone that, on the roster, and then have Bailey win the Rumble to set up the WrestleMania rematch. That's how I would book it. But you're probably right. No NWWE will see... Uh, return match on SmackDown this week. I'd, I'd have, I'd have separated, I'd have separated them for a while. I'd have had yeah. one of them get, I'd have, I'd have drafted one of them, but then possibly had Sasha still do the same contract signing with the chair, but just making sure that she got that title match before she got drafted to the other brand, and separate them that way. And then you could always this move the title, not the other woman's title around, messing around because clearly they got little regard for the. Asker and her title reign, so they can do whatever they want moving that one around. Well, they could. Just well, they know the tight, fans are happy with Oscar, shoot. aren't they? This is WWE's problem. They know they're happy with Oscar. They know we're happy with Oscar, so they don't really need to give her a lot. And I think, like said, so to separate him would be the perfect thing to do. And the worst thing to do, well, in my eyes, is to have Charlotte come back. And well, then again, I'd rather have her doing it to Sasha Banks and Oscar. But when Charlotte returns and finally, you know, wins the title again. And then they've just sacrificed that for her. I think that would be worst case scenario. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> uh, prediction wise, uh, Brandon went Bailey. I went Banks. Who do you guys go for? Sasha Banks. Sasha Banks. In the scores at the moment, 
It is um, free-free between me and Brandon, and it is for free to you guys at this moment time. Polls, 66% went for Sasha Banks. And what could follow this incredible match, eh? Well, Charlie Caruso is backstage with a Hurt Business. She asked about the challenge made by Mustafa Ali for a member of their stable to face someone for retribution. Bobby Lashley is stepping up and putting the United States Championship on the line against Slapjack. Lashley, back. how we got here, WWE hate retribution. Uh, Faults. Uh, quickly, before we get on to retribution bashing, which I think is, is rightfully, should Bobby Lashley get his dream match with Brock? People have talked about it for five years. Does Bobby Lashley deserve that opportunity? Um, it's his dream match. I don't know if it's my dream match. <laughs> <laughs> I, so, I, yeah, we're, I would, I would, we're all ourselves in the matches. Yeah, <laughs> this is the thing you've heard Lashley going, oh, I'm, I want Brock. Does, does that appeal to any, Is it? I thought it was just me because I'm going, well, I suppose, but not really. Like, I just, maybe it's just something that keeps him going in the day, eh? <laughs> you reckon he's just sitting there, he turns off the light at night. He's like, tomorrow, tomorrow's going to be the day they do it. <laughs> Gonna, Brock's going to come. He's going he's gonna to do it. Um, well, what happened in the match? I think... Lash- oh, sorry. sorry, I was just going to say, I think if they were going to put Lashley in that sort of position, it would have been in his initial run when yeah. he was pushed. And, of course, he helped Donald Trump to beat Vince McMahon. So. I think enough said there, isn't it? <laughs> I think, yeah. I, I think <laughs> anything Bobby Lashley up. gets is his own fault, really. You know, <laughs> where you... Uh... Yeah. Anyway, what He's happened? An enabler. In... Yeah, exactly. What happened in the match? Well, Slapjack, remember him? He tried to get an early advantage by throwing his shirt at Lashley, but the Almighty still took control uh, with a shoulder thrust. Retribution member actually managed to get the little offense, hit a cannibal in the corner. Lashley was able to apply the hurt locker to get the win. As soon as it was all over, Ali's faction rushed the ring and attacked him, but Lashley fought them off until his teammates arrived to even the odds, and the hurt business drove Retribution off to endless. Uh, what was everybody's faults? This is just this is raw. So best, they are being it? booked. They are being booked to look weaker than the Nexus were at the end of the Nexus run. Mm. So after the match, there's a three-on-one uh, in the ring with Retribution, but Lashley is already on top of it and fighting them off before the rest of the Hurt Locker come out. How can they possibly be taken seriously if they can't beat someone down with a three-on-one advantage? It was. A, a jobber match essentially just Lashley being put over against someone uh, that as Shelton Benjamin put in the promo one, the one in the lame mask and they laugh because they all have lame masks mm. they are just being booked to be an absolute joke they could they could have been pushed as a major major threat but they clearly there's no faith in in what they were doing so they decide to go the complete opposite direction well, I think the core had it's one of the build things, up, you know? Yeah. It's one of the things that WWE do when they've got too many people on the on the payroll, though, isn't it? It's like, oh, we'll throw a quick stable together. Yeah. <laughs> but there's no one... That, they're giving them random names and stuff like, rather than giving them the names that they had in NXT. So they're just faceless cronies that are ineffective at the moment it's, it's, in it's they're intentionally fucking them up that's just the only way around it they can't be given the names be given that look and then to just be job 
like I said, Shane Fawn didn't do too bad in this match, but Retribution, they're just done, you know? Like I said, talk about the core, talk about the new Nexus, talk about the worst groups that we've had. Retribution will just go down as, oh, we, we thought we were trying something, but we just gave up. Very quickly, in, in a space of weeks, they've not been built at all. Um, yeah, it's baffling the way that they've been booked for me. Again, it doesn't have with no crowd reaction for this kind of thing. You, True. you, can't, you can't have them come out and beat down anyone and absolutely no one reacts. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just, this is the problem. I mean, the match itself, I'm going to give it a two, and I think that's being kind to it. I think it is being kind. I'll give it one. <laughs> one and a half for me. Uh, I'm just a nice guy. Just, uh, give just it one two. thing that I, for- I forgot to mention. Sorry to go back to the Bailey Banks match. But I did do a boss time count uh, from Michael Cole. Oh. Uh, guess how many times uh, Michael Cole said the words boss or boss time? 37. <laughs> oh, that's not quite that high. <laughs> 28. 26. Oh. <laughs> oh. Bonus point. <laughs> How long was the match? Like thir- 32 minutes. So almost once a minute through the match, Michael Cole uses boss or boss time. He, he is very on brand. He must tell someone. He must have a drinking game with someone at home, you know, where he's just going, right, let's, uh, every time I say boss, you just take a shot. Because um, it's just incredible. If, I'm just glad that they've got... They've got Tribal Chief instead of Big Dog now in here <laughs> for Reigns. So they've got multiple nicknames for him to sw- switch between. Well, what about Seamus? I mean, he's a great Y. He's got all these, he's got all these great catchphrases and nicknames that they weren't sure what to give him. Uh, anyway, moving on. Survivor Series is taking place on November 22nd. And the Untake will be celebrated all month long. 30 Days of Deadman will be followed up by the big Survivor Series event built around big evil not sure if he's gonna wrestle or even show up would be nice if he did though after all the effort they're putting in um what are your thoughts on survivor series uh coming up with it being 30 years and it being a you know after the untake had retired maybe take it again if anyone deserves a 30-year celebration it's the undertaker um how in what way they're going to celebrate him i'm not sure i'd like to think that he's going to have a match even if it's just a squash match against anyone on the roster probably retribution (laughs) (laughs) come on slapjack (laughs) but from the way that the undertaker has spoken um in the past he he doesn't necessarily or likes to think that he doesn't make it all about himself so hopefully he can put on a bit of a show rather than just come out and give us a like a, a slow walk to the ring and stand in the ring while people applaud him virtually. Yeah, hopefully they do. Hopefully they've got something special planned for him. As you say, he deserves it. I'm looking forward to Survivor Series. It's one, so I know how much I love the Survivor Series format. If they, if they go back the four-on-four elimination matches the whole night through, then I'm completely sold on it because that's, that's me back in the day for... WWF classics, but we'll end up with one elimination match and eight singles matches. And I'm not going to miss a chance to plug our Survivor Series series. We covered um, eight elimination tag matches. Go back and listen to them to listen to Chris talk about how much he loves Survivor Series. 
No doubt. And don't forget, of course, on the WNR, we'll be joined by Jaxie Scarlett for Survivor Series event as well. So, nice bit of plugging all around, guys. Uh, match seven, <laughs> our main event, McIntyre versus Randy Orton. How we got here? Well, interesting enough, Drew hasn't main evented the pay-per-view as champion. And this is the first time. Unfortunately, this is not the first time Orton and Drew have clashed. We saw at SummerSlam, Drew out wrestled him. And at Clash of Champions, thanks to some legends, he retained in an ambulance match, would tonight be any different? Um, what are the thoughts on this feud and also Drew's uh, total reign, which stands at this moment in time of 202 days? Go on, Chris. You can go first. Yeah, so... Oh, oh stand on Orton and this feud. Oh, right. Orton's a weird one for, I'm sure, most, most wrestling fans now because... He's undoubtedly one of a guaranteed future Hall of Famer. One of the absolute best of the past 15 years or so. But everyone is still so absolutely bored. He just seems to be around constantly. I mean, his, his injury record has got to be pretty low for the sheer amount of time he's on screen, the amount of matches he's put in. So while you know you're going to get a good... Randy Orton match, no matter who's wrestling against. Do we ever need to see him again? I I quite liked the way that he'd been built in there. So he almost went back to his legend killer um, stick after beating Edge in the what was billed as the greatest match of all time, of course. Um, and yeah, that's why the legends came back to haunt him. The the one bit that they recapped that I really wasn't a fan of was the night vision moment on Raw, which was <laughs> something out of Scooby Doo. But yeah, um, Drew had been made to look like an absolute beast. They talked up the fact that it was on the Raw before Hell in a Cell was the first time he'd lost by pinfall in mm. over a year. So clearly they um, had, were completely behind Drew and pushing him to the moon. For me, I think this was the right choice to go on last as well because um, this has been the sort of top feud over the summer, really, for WWE. Um, I, the other thing that I quite like, so as the cell is lowered, um, there's fire pyro going off around the ring, which makes it look or quite apt that it's sort of being lowered into hell, which mm. I thought was good. But yeah, I, I quite liked the build to this feud. Well, back to the match, and as Drew made his entrance, Orton was disguised, and he tried to attack him. The chap was having none of it. They fought around the structure, and they finally locked in the cell after Drew shut the door behind him. I do like that. I'm taking his stool all the time. It was his go-to move, wasn't it? Shutting the door behind you. I just think it's cool. We see McIntyre was the first to go for a weapon. He grabbed the stool chair and hit his rival for a while, smiling from ear to ear. He lined up for a claymore, but Orton hit his leg with a chair. Legend Killer stomped McIntyre's head in the steps and then whipped him into a different set of steps as he's up against the wall. When he got back in the ring, Scott began making a comeback and threw the challenger across the ring with a belly to belly. They took a long time fighting. There's one thing about Randy Orton is not only does his entrance seem to be longer than the Untaker's, but also I just feel like I'm watching his matches for a very long time. And I don't know if I just don't like Randy Orton or... Because I know they say, oh, more, less is more. But I just feel it's, it just seemed longer, you know? Yeah, I, I know what you mean. He, well, it's generally because he's booked up the card and therefore his matches tend to be longer. Uh, just one thing that you mentioned about the entrances. So Andy Orton's really getting into the Halloween spirit of his fancy dress this year, isn't he? He's dressing up as anything. He's and... dressed up as a member of Retribution. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> 
And yeah. why, is, I, why is he wearing long pants? That completely threw <laughs> yeah, really It's the slacks that throws McIntyre off. He's going, hang on a minute. And the other thing that I would definitely make more of a deal about if um, Orton hadn't jumped, tried to jump in, but you should never have the champion coming out first for a main event match. It's an absolute no-no. Well, we see um, Drew putting Orton for a table at ringside with another suplex and the Viper regained the upper hand. But Kurt Fainer to get the free count. He went back under the ring and grabbed some bolt cutters to cut the chain off the cells or he tried to leave at McIntyre, chase him down. And then Orton climbed to the top of the cell and McIntyre soon followed. Uh, the Viper then picked up a lightsaber by the look of things um, that he had hidden up there. <laughs> McIntyre ducked it and tackled him. They both started climbing down the side of the cell and fought until the champion fell. I'm not making this up. About 45 feet down through the announce <laughs> table. Um, it looked higher, but they missed the bump on the camera as well. I don't know why the camera was round that side when he went. Um, what did we think of them going... Go on. No, I was going to say, about climbing on top of the cage, I'll tell you what, re- what really, not, not annoying me about it, but just observation. Normally, it's your heel champion who is escaping, climbing to the top of the cage. You have all and climb up there. If I was, if I'd have been McIntyre, I'd have got a chair, just sat there. He's got to beat you for the championship. They're not going to wrestle all night. You can... Like four hours later, when they're just raising the cell and Orton's still there, and he's just like, Are "You staying there tonight?" <laughs> just let it time out. He's got to be. He's got to come to you. If nothing's good, gonna happen. You good's gonna happen. You chasing after him. He's trying to get you up there. Um, the one thing I noticed about the spot was that there was so they are on the commentary side, obviously, because they go through the table. But on the middle beam, there's two perfectly positioned spots where the uh, they can both put their feet. I've never seen that before, <laughs> but they were they're in almost the exact position that they wanted them to be. So it was handy. It's not just um, that, it's the punches as well. That they were, well, I say punches they were throwing. I don't think you could swat a fly with what they were doing up there. They just seemed so like, <laughs> you know, like, don't hit me too hard. We might fall. I'll wait a minute. <laughs> we might fall. Yeah. I, I think it was, I'm pretty sure he was trying to tickle him off. That's what was going on. <laughs> yeah. Um, the other thing that I've never really understood with Hell in a Cell matches, and for some reason this didn't really come up in the series, but the commentary team mentioned that the pin has to be inside the ring. Mm. Why? That <laughs> it doesn't add anything to a Hell in a Cell match. Like if McIntyre had been pinned after going through the table, that would have been like a really um, convincing way of like taking the title off him, but. He's got to pick him up, drag him round to the side where the door is, put him in the ring, and then try and go for a pin. It just takes something away from it for me. So I, I, I think that's I was a rule change. One... Sorry, go on. No, I was about to say, I think they checked, because I remember, I think Chris Jericho in Triple H had a Hell in a Cell match where Triple H pinned him pinned on him top, on the top of the cell. Of the cell be... yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so they might have changed that recently. But if they don't tell us, or you know what I mean, if it's not really a case, then you could say false count anywhere. And it would have worked. I did like it because um, Matisal was not bleeding from the mouth at that point, and he he did look really fucked up. And Orton um, getting him to try and get into the ring. And again, if I'm McIntyre, I'll just dead weight and say, "No way, you're doing this." Um, but the champ, once he got into the ring, did manage to hit Claymore, which sent Orton out of the ring. Don't you hate it when that happens? And then uh, Orton ducked another Claymore, walked out with an RKO, full of win to become 14-time champion. I was a little bit surprised because obviously he's gone through off the cell, but just one RKO. I mean, 
it would have been a little bit about maybe shoulder up and then a punt to the face to, you know, I mean, it's his total rate, 200 days, he's and then RKO, but I it's might be wrong. Especially since Ad McIntyre kicking out one the rest of the match. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and also he's a guy that kicked out of, what was it, five F5s at WrestleMania to win the title, but one RKO puts him away. I just, you know, it's, 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 it's the thing, it's, it wasn't a bad match, but I mean, we've seen this a lot with WWE thinking of rivalry, just multiple matches as opposed to kind of story. I think this had, uh, for the match itself, yes, it had a, a big bump. What did you guys think? Or oh, Chris, what did you think first of, of the main event? Yeah, I mean, obviously it shouldn't have been the main event. Sasha, Bailey mm-hmm. should have been. But it, it was fun. As I said, the, that taking that bump through the table looked great. It was perfectly functional. I I enjoyed it while I was watching it. I don't think I'll go back and feel the need to rewatch it anytime soon. But I'm giving it three stars as a perfectly decent Hell in a Cell match. So I actually thought this was better inside the ring than the the Reigns Uso one. Not as good a storytelling um, in the match, but I thought the in ring stuff was better. Um, not often these days we get to see a cell spot as well, so. That was a, a nice bonus. Um, but I have a horrible feeling that this rivalry is going to continue on and on, especially because uh, Drew yeah. was already up back on his feet to end the show, which is not really the way to sell a, a beating in a Hell in a Cell match. No, I, I, I don't think it is. And like I said, you've still got a couple of papers to the end of the year and, and to see what happened. But I mean, it's interesting to think what will happen to McIntyre Will he hold the title again or will he go the way of Jinder Mahal? You know, I'm, I'm hoping by the whole hope he gets enough opportunity, but you just never know, do you, once they lose it and had that long title reign and then you have to wait and see. Maybe they can get three MB back together. <laughs> There's the dream. <laughs> uh, out of five for the match, we just did that. That's fine. That is all sorted then. Uh, i given that a... Did we do that? I can't remember. We got... No, yeah, sorry, I did. I jumped, I jumped the, jumped the shark. Simon, what did you say? What, what was your rating out of five? I am going to go for three stars for this one. So I thought it was, uh, as I say, in the ring than the uh, Reigns Usos one, but not as good story and just not as good as the, the Bailey Sasha match, which I agree with Chris was the match of the night for me. Yeah, so we've got our match of the night. We'll just do predictions quickly because not only did Brandon beat me, um, you guys, who did you go for, Orton in this one or McIntyre? We went for McIntyre. Okay, so you still beat me. So <laughs> left, left the door ajar. <laughs> well, it makes a change after last time, doesn't it? So. <laughs> I, I lost on both counts, you know, you know what I said, but... Hey, I, I wasn't going to go against Previously McIntyre. undefeated. But... <laughs> yeah, I wasn't going to go against McIntyre. I'd rather have the losing my winning streak uh, rather than, you know, having Randy Orton. I don't care if I'm wrong. I'll just stick with my guy and hopefully that will improve. And I know with predictions, um, heart overhead never, never works out. Uh, McIntyre got 62% on the poll as well when it came to who everybody thought was going to win. And speaking of polls, we did the, what did you think of the Hell in Cell event? Um, awesome got 26%, great got 20 good got 22%, and okay was 29%. Uh, so it was okay overall. We've got our matches of the night. All of us went for Sasha Banks versus Bailey. Uh, we also do a man or woman of the night. So, Chris, who was your man or woman? Who was your MVP of the night? 
mine was Bailey. I think she plays the heel so well now. Her non-stop talking throughout the match, the viciousness of her, and the fact that she still looked fairly strong despite losing. She's my MVP. That Simon. I'm tempted to go Bailey. I'm tempted to go Bailey as well, but I'm going to go with uh, Roman Reigns, whose character work at the moment is something to behold. I would have to agree with you there. I'm going Roman Reigns as well with character. And finally, out of 10, our rating of the night. And Chris, what was your rating out of 10? I am giving it a 7 out of 10. I am going to go... Seven and a half. I, I love bringing extra. <laughs> I'm the, Dave Meltzer just bringing extra numbers into a, an already fine system. I I'll think if it, if it hadn't system. been for the, the Hardy, Elias, and the Lashley match, if they just got rid of those two matches, I'd have given probably this have been up there eight or nine, but they've just dragged it down. I think for me, I mean, the one thing I usually say about B pay-per-views is that nothing normally happens, but. I think tonight really delivered. They, it was kind of making it, you know, the promos and all the build-up. It was a three-match show, really. And I think those three matches really, really delivered. I think we saw new champs and, of course, a match of the year contender when it comes to Banks and Bailey. So I'm going to give that an eight and a quarter out of ten. Um, so that is basically it. I mean, I should say ten years ago, The Miz was Money in the Bank and Randy Orton was WWE champion. How times change in WWE as we always know. Uh, but that is it for Hell in the Cell. Don't forget our follower uh, is Joel Pearl. And that is it. Any final words on Hell in the Cell pay for you? I really enjoyed the show. Um, obviously, it's a nice con- fitting conclusion to our Hell in a Cell coverage, which you can get wherever you listen to your podcast. I'm not missing this opportunity to get a nice little plug in. But yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought... The, the three main matches were, were great. Um, it was, it would have been better with a, a couple more ma- um, sort of throwaway matches maybe on on the card rather than just hours of adverts because it was still a three-hour show even with six, um, five, six matches. But um, yeah, the the three uh, sort of main events or co-main events, however you want to put it, were, were great. So no complaints whatsoever from me. If I'd have, if they'd have given me a just an hour and a half show and they'd gone right, we're just going to do this hour and a half on the network and had those three matches, I'd have been absolutely delighted. I'd have thought that was one of the best evenings of wrestling I've seen in a long time. Well, that is it, and uh, don't forget we are on Twitter at the WNR Podcast. I'm at the WNR JR, and also, uh, do you want to plug your Twitter quickly? Yeah, we are at Select Match Pod. Uh, we usually have quite a lot of co- comedic things to say. We don't generally talk a lot about uh, the modern day stuff, but we like to do a on this day segment uh, where we look back at wrestling history and all the things that happen in the Attitude Era. So yeah, give us a follow. That's the same on Instagram and Facebook as well. That's at Select Match Pod. Well, weird enough you say that. We're also on Facebook and Instagram, the Dubbinar Podcast. Send us an email to dubbinarpodcast at gmail.com on YouTube, where podcasts got the same time as they do SoundCloud on your phone, Stitcher Radio, and iTunes, where you can download, subscribe, rate, and review there. So that is it. Our next episode is mine and Monty. We're doing NXT Halloween Havoc. But today, I had the pleasure, well, the past couple of weeks, actually, I've had the pleasure to be joined by Simon and Chris. Just like to thank you guys. Um, 
for being on the show. I hope you've enjoyed yourselves. Yeah, I've had a great time. Thanks very much for having me. It's been an absolute blast. With it being the Halloween season, can I get a quick plug in myself? Yeah, of course you can. Thank you very much. So along with Select Match Site, with me inside, I also co-host a horror podcast where we pit the best of horror subgenres against each other. You can find us at I Spit On Your Grades on all good podcast networks. We're at Spit Grades on Twitter and on Instagram and I Spit On Your Grades on Facebook. Check us out, please. We'd appreciate it. Brilliant. Well, that is it for today. Like I said, I was joined by... Um, I'll say Simon and Chris, I've got to know you guys now. And maybe in the future, uh, maybe working together on something a little bit ridiculous. It's like I said, the ball's in your court now, guys. You probably had enough of me for two weeks. But um, until then, uh, thanks for joining me. No problem. Thanks for having us. See you Take soon. care. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Bye, everybody. <laughs>